I was getting a little nervous. I, I knew in the bulletin we had Stephen and Esther singing, but I didn't see them anywhere. <laughs> and I'm wondering, am I just going to come right up and preach after that last song? And then I got even more nervous when Brendan did a Marcucci in the, in, in the choir. And you say, what is a Marcucci? A Marcucci is when Ron is in the choir and the choir exits and he stays <laughs> and soaks it in. And so, Brendan, you did a Marcucci. So I was getting nervous. Is Brendan going to sing a solo, which would have been wonderful? And then to see Steve Grinnell on the guitar, that made me really nervous, really, really anxious. So I was a mess just before I got here. Steve asked before the service, he said, do you still get nervous or anxious uh, before preaching? Yes, I do, every single time, you know, it's just the nature of it, at least as it relates to me. But thank you for the special music for, for those who are new. Uh, Stephen is our new youth pastor and Esther is his wife, and uh, they're doing a great job. Uh, this past week we had VBS and we had an all-star lineup with the, with the Stedmans and the Whites and the Maliks directing it and so many great workers. Thank you all if you were a part of the VBS team. It was a really a high quality week of, of a lot of preaching and the word and uh, focus on God for the kids. It was just really, really powerful. And uh, we're just thankful for that opportunity. Uh, great to have the Cochrans with us from Aramisio, Mexico. How many of you have been to Mexico, just the country of Mexico? How many of us? Man, large percentage, large, maybe 80 plus percent. How many have been to Aramisillo? Aramisillo, maybe a couple of us. I've been there several times. It's one of my favorite places. And when you're there with the Cochrans, they are just the greatest hosts uh, for anyone who goes. Um, we were with them on several occasions. Uh, the, the schedule in Mexico is a little different. It's a, a little bit of a manana uh, attitude, a little bit. And uh, they eat, they're scheduled for eating. We, we were doing street tacos and things, I think, at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night or whatever schedule that we were on. But uh, I have such great memories. Hopefully we can get down there again. And uh, great to have you with us. Uh, they've been missionaries here that we've supported in prayer finances for many years. They're doing a, a great, great work. And a lot of, they're wearing multiple hats with the church and churches and then with the Bible college there. Um, a lot going on and then to navigate again through pa the pandemic uh, when you have multiple institutions you're responsible for inner work with is, is not, not easy. So great to have you both with, with us this, this morning. Uh, we also have our son John, uh, Jim, I, I always call Jim John, John Jim. So Jim, our middle son is with us down from Montana. Uh, we appreciate you praying for his son uh, Wyatt who fell through the second floor to the first floor and uh, cracked his skull. Um, He's recovering. Uh, he doesn't seem to be affected by it. We're more affected than he. Uh, but thank you for praying, praying for Wyatt. Our message and really the theme, if you were listening to the words and singing them from your heart, a lot of the, the theme already is around fear, around anxiety. And uh, we, all, we all are tempted to, to be afraid, to be anxious, to be nervous, to be, wor to be a worry wart. And uh, it's just our, our, our frail nature. And uh, we're going to look at a passage here before us this morning where the Lord doesn't want to live in that manner. He doesn't want us to live with anxiety. Um, the Lord's going to address the topic. Paul will build on it in other New Testament writers where we're to cast all of our care upon the Lord for he cares for us. Uh, we're to be anxious for nothing, uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication, we're to make our requests known unto God. And then we can experience that peace of God, which passes all understanding. 
So it's a, a very rich topic, but in reality, uh, we, we do battle with it. Some people battle with it more than others. So uh, this morning we're going to look at the theme of anxiety. Uh, I think a, a way maybe to illustrate anxiety is to try to do a 14er, uh, climb one of our 14,000 foot mountains. We do this each year with our college career group. Uh, this year, this weekend, we had scheduled a climb up uh, Mount Sherman. It's one of the shorter hikes, uh, a little more forgiving type of hike as to uh, exposure or dis danger issues. And yet there's a lot of anxiety, at least for the leader. <laughs> Uh, the first is you, you have to wake up early enough to, to get there on time to try to summit before noon. That's your goal. And so we're, we're, we're looking at six different vehicles getting up, up, up to that location, the trailhead, uh, by 7.30. You usually leave it, you start your hikes maybe 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, depending on the climb. Uh, this being shorter, we, we were getting a little bit more sleep, but you're always nervous about that, just waking up in time and getting there and getting up on that hill. Uh, knowing you, you are on a race against time because in the summer storms build up through the morning and then later in the afternoon they often strike and if you're in the mountains and on the hill with the lightning it gets really uh, uh, electrifying. Um, anxiety. For our group, the, uh, the climbers, I was a little nervous about it. This is Paul Dickman, our, our, our director now for Camp Grace and his wife Emily. Um, they arrive with four of their kids uh, the oldest is a junior this year in high school, and then it goes down all the way to probably fifth grade, fourth grade. So I'm, I'm a little anxious about my group, uh, about the climbing condition, how they will manage going up the hill. Typically, we'll have groups of 15, 20, 30 going up at one time. Uh, the group usually breaks into two or three segments. There's usually those who are right up front. They just, they're going to get to the top. They're just going to barrel up there. They're in great shape. They're young. And they're going to get up there. And then you have folks uh, a little older. Um, I probably was the oldest man on the mountain at age 65. I didn't see a lot of 65-year-old guys up there uh, climbing the mountain. Most were in their teens or 20s or 30s. Uh, so I usually find myself as the caboose. So I try to keep everyone in front of me. Um, so you have one group way up in front, and then you have the caboose, and usually maybe something in the middle. And you're, you're, you're very anxious. You're anxious about communication. There is no cell service. And uh, we're working on that problem. I've been given some tremendous radios. I got the best ham radio operator in the country up in the balcony. So I'm, we're going to get to the stage where we can, we can use the repeater technique and get some communication. But you're really nervous. You cannot communicate. You just can't communicate. Uh, we had a little bit of cell on the top of the mountain. There's a little cell. Occasionally it pops. The satellite might hit you just right. You might get a quick text out. Uh, but you're driving in a road that's 10 miles of, of stone. Uh, to the trailhead, so now you have the anxiety, will, will my vehicle make it? Will I bottom out? Will I, will I get a flat tire on this road? And you got six vehicles coming up this road. I have a, I have a, a 2000 F-150, you know, fantastic truck, but uh, Larry Robbins puts new shocks in it, and they're like, they're like pogo sticks. I, I, I don't know what he did. I've got to talk to Larry about that. They just go up and down, so I'm just going up and down like on a tr trampoline all the way for 10 miles. You're averaging 10 miles per hour. And so it's a, a lengthy road. Um, it's, it's really rough on kidneys. Won't go into all the details. But, but it, there is some anxiety. Altitude sickness is real. You, you may have climbed a 14er the last time, and it was just fine. You did fine, but this time uh, your fingers start turning green, and you start to get flu-like conditions, and, and you, get, you, know, you get sick. 
And so you, as a leader, you're always worried about, hey, you, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Did you do, are you hydrating? Keep drinking. Keep drinking. How many ounces do you have? You have 64 ounces of water. What do you have? And you're worried about your group. Will they get dehydrated? Uh, so for our group, we started with 15. Only eight will summit. So that means uh, you have seven now you're worried about. Uh, our first guy to go down was Dr. Huda. He made it a half mile in really altitude sickness, hitting some other issues, and he had to get down. Uh, normally you, you send people down with people, but he hadn't gone too far up the road, and so he was, uh, we thought safe, we thought safe. Uh, then we have Paul and Emily. Um, we got another mile up, and Emily just got terrible altitude sickness. And so now, you know, Paul's saying, you can make it, honey, you can make it, honey. And I'm saying, oh, Paul, brother. She's not going to make it, Paul. <laughs> she needs to turn around, and you need to go back with her. So there goes Paul and Emily. What, what we didn't know is right ahead of them, two of his daughters, um, they too were having altitude sickness. And so I'm the caboose, and I'm trying to, you know, do this, uh, is it triage, Jim? Triage. <laughs> All right, you go down, you keep going, you go down, you go down, you can keep going, you two need to keep going. When Mac goes up, this is, this is uh, Paul's oldest son, very capable young man, but uh, he takes Riley, his sister, and I'm babysitting back here, so now we send a middle group of two. We have the others who have gone up ahead. We don't know how far they're ahead. We can't communicate. So uh, Mac is going to lead, and he's a very competent young man, but he, he leads his sister up the wrong mountain. So rather than climbing Sherman, they climb Sheridan. Okay, That's a big mistake. When you climb, climb the wrong mountain, that's a big problem. Okay, So they climb Sheridan. That's a 13er, almost 14,000-foot mountain. Great mountain. Great general, but um, not the right one. We are still wondering. We have two Hispanic kids coming up from the Hispanic church down in um, Aurora who we've never met. We don't know what they look like. Uh, one's tall and one's chunky. Okay. They're Hispanics. We don't know if they're on the mountain. Uh, we don't know if they're still coming up that 10-mile road. Uh, Keith is able later to get a signal to the mother, and then, yes, they're coming. They're coming. And um, I'm asking people, have you seen a big, chunky Mexican? And have you seen a skinny Mexican? And most folks climbing aren't really doing this type of demographic study, you know. <laughs> so we don't, we, we don't know where the Mexicans are. <laughs> so are they ahead of us or are they behind us? Later we found out they came to the mountain and they looked and they were so scared they turned around and went home. <laughs> we didn't know that. We're looking for Mexicans, you know. So we, we, we lost them. So Mac's on the wrong mountain. The Mexicans are doing a U-turn. We have people vomiting all over the hillside. So what possibly could go wrong? And then we have the, the young guys, the, these younger kids that just fly right up there. That's Seth and Kyle on the left, and that's, that's our own Craig Wright on the right. So we are, we are going to get eight to the summit. They're waiting, on, waiting for the rest of the group to get there. We usually have a devotional on the top and just you know group picture. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and uh, no one else is coming. Slavic Diana, they had already hit the top, and they are, they're coming back. And they waited a, a long time, and finally, uh, they, 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 they headed down for good reason. Um, we had some issues. Um, you don't want to, usually when you hit by, you get the sun, to the summit at noon. And everyone's there at 10, 10.30. We, were, we did our homework, we did our part, but the storms weren't cooperating. They're coming in early. So, so now you've got to make a decision. You, you, you have these storms coming in. 
and uh, you're in the clouds, you're, you're in, um, you know, you're, the thunder rattles around the mountains, and then uh, out, of the, out of those clouds come lightning, of course. And, and that's, 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 the, that's what you look out for. You know, if you, it's not the mountain lions that get you, it's the, elect, it's a, it's the lightning bolts that get you. So um, I'm going up and I have to make a decision. I'm, I'm now by myself, Slavic and Diana, and Seth and Kyla and, and Craig, they've left me all alone. <laughs> they have left me high and dry. I mean, I mean, Pastor, you know, you're, you're really slow and you're old. You, you, you just go ahead and leave. We'll, we, we're gonna head, head home, you're wasting a lot of our day. <laughs> At least that's how it felt. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly like that. In fact, they volunteered to go back up the mountain with me, the babysit me. And I said, you don't need to do that. What, what possibly could go wrong? So uh, I was having a difficult time. I was a little anxious. I had my dog with me. That, that's, that's an issue. Um, I'm tired. I have a little wobbly knees. I have post-COVID neuropathy, so I have no feelings in my toes. So I'm ba basically a bobblehead. I just bobble. You know, there's no balance. And the dog's pulling you all over the hill. So it's not a, it's, you don't feel real safe. And there is a little bit of, there is a razor back that, you know, there's only a couple places if you fall, you're going to die. Um, and I was sitting at one of those places when the kids came down and said, Pastor, are you okay? No, I wasn't okay. I was hovering, holding the rocks, you know, looking over here. And then the storm's coming in. I said, you guys need to get down. You need to get down quickly. This is stupid to be up here. It's okay for me to be stupid, but not for you. So uh, this is a video of where I had to make a decision. And so, Steve, would you play the video just quick? This is a short video. This is a rather lengthy introduction on anxiety. The wind is blowing. That's my mad dog. That's snow. We did choose to go from Summit. It's a marginal decision. I am alone. If I had a group, I wouldn't do this. Um, as you can see, it's just straight down. It's like, whoa. Uh, I have a few feet. I'm not going to get near it to show you how steep. I'm a little tired and wobbly. But uh, in 100 yards, we're going to summit. You can see the views, beautiful blue, 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 black, black behind me coming at me. Not good, not good. So we're not going to linger here. We get a picture on the summit with the bronze uh, marker. And man, I'm out of here like a fat boy in dodgeball. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like I'm drunk. I'm not drunk, I'm actually high. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so uh, I, I do summit. And there's a, a young couple there at the summit who takes the picture of the Kenosis first 14er. And um, he is smoking a joint the size of a cigar. So what is a joint? It's marijuana. Okay, Mary Jane. He's smoking a monster, monster joint. And he offers it to me. <laughs> and it was really pretty good stuff, actually. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now you're getting nervous. And I said, you know, thank you so much for offering that to me. And I, new meaning to Rocky Mountain High, thank you so much. And I said, if I do this, I lose my job. And the guy says, you lose your job, what do you do? And I said, oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> no, I, I really, I do want to know, what do you do? And I said, you don't want to know. I said, I'm associated with a group with the letters F, B, and the girl added I, yes. And they got really nervous. They just shut down. 
because uh, I am associated with a group called Foundations Baptist Independence. <laughs> it is FBI. I said, I can't tell you who I work for. And they said, please tell us. I said, why don't we do this? I'm going to go down the mountain now. I'm getting off this mountain. You need to get off too. And uh, you'll pass me, I'm sure, as I go down. And I will tell you down below what FBI. So they came down later and they said, tell us, tell us. I said, F is for foundations or fundamental uh, truths. And B is for Baptist. You are talking to a Baptist pastor. <laughs> I've never seen people get off a mountain so fast in my life. <laughs> they did not hang around. <laughs> I was the last person on the mountain. There was no one on that mountain. No one on that mountain. I was left high and dry, well, actually wet and soaked. Um, but what a great experience. What possibly could go wrong? In life, we, we face things that do um, cause us to be anxious. Um, if you really boil it down, it, it's dealing with our life or the life or lives of someone else. And it's those type of issues that really get us nervous. You know, for grandparents, we're constantly potentially anxious about the grandkids, our seven grandchildren. So you pray for them. It's real. You know, you, you have kids like our grandkids. Man, you just got to pray and pray and pray because you, you can't live with that anxiety, those fears. Uh, this morning, I don't know what your anxiety is. I don't know what the temptation for you to be afraid of. I don't know all those details, but you do. And I think this passage we're going to look at this morning is, is really, I think, the central passage dealing with anxiety in all of the scripture. And uh, I really hope as we just work through this efficiently this morning uh, that you'll be encouraged and strengthened and that at the end of the, by the end of the service, you're giving over to God anything that's on your heart that's creating anxiety and fear. There, there's no need for you or I to carry it. The Lord does not want us to be filled with anxiety and fear. And uh, for yourself or for anyone else. And so uh, let's pray and dive into this last paragraph of chapter 6 of Matthew. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning that we can come together to sing praises unto you and to thank you for your grace, your mercy, for your, your help. You know how often we are just tempted to be nervous, to be anxious, to be fearful, to allow things to just weigh us down and paralyze us spiritually. And so, Lord, help us this morning to be strengthened by this paragraph that the word of God would help give to us more faith to trust you in our times of anxiety. Lord, you know the burdens, the pressures, the anxiety points, the panic attacks, things that people are facing right here in the service this morning. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would especially take the word and minister to hearts and encourage and strengthen. And uh, may we see uh, changes in our lives that please you. And so, Lord, help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This paragraph falls on the heels of the previous paragraph. That's profound. The previous paragraph deals with people who lay up things, hoard things, have stuff to the excess, and try to find meaning in life in the abundance of their materialism. And uh, that may, may be true to, for anyone, maybe, maybe more so for the rich. The temptation for the rich is to trust in their, their treasures. Uh, this paragraph, as it deals with, with food and drink and clothing, uh, that may, be, may, may not be an issue you're dealing with right now. You are well provided for, perhaps. But there are many people 
they don't know where the next meal is coming, and things are, are very, very slim in, the, in their lives. And so the temptation for them is to, to doubt God's provision and to be anxious over, over today and over tomorrow and how, how they're going to do life. Uh, the context here is dealing with material things. Uh, sometimes finances tie into these, these, these messages from the Lord. Uh, there are 38 parables, 16 of them deal with finances. Uh, the scripture offers about 500 verses on prayer, um, just about the same when it regard, uh, relates to the topic of faith. And there's over 2,000 texts in the New Testament dealing with money issues, material type topics. So uh, what that illustrates for me is that the Christian life interfaces with the material world, and that we need instruction on how to do life, and in this case, to do life without, without the anxiety issue just burdening us and hurting us and doing harm to us. As we look at these seven verses, six of them have the same verb in it, to not be anxious, not to worry, to not take thought for things, to not be so fearful. Uh, already in the same chapter, you have the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples, and in that it said, uh, part of one of the six prayer requests was, that, Lord, uh, give us today our daily bread. So part of the solution anxiety we'll get to a little bit more, uh, but it's already been kind of laid out there that today we pray to God to provide for us our daily bread. And uh, that's going to help us with some of these uh, anxiety issues over our, our needs, our material needs for doing life. So let's look at the first verse here in verse 25. The scriptures say, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Take no thought for your life. We'll just stop there. Take no thought for your life. Uh, my rather lengthy introduction this morning was largely a lot of anxiety over life. Uh, will we be dead? <laughs> will everyone survive? You know, life type topics. So therefore, in view of what I just wrote about, about the Lord being your master, in view of that, I say unto you, literally stop being anxious. Stop worrying. Stop being fearful. You have a present active imperative of the negative particle, may, which means stop it. You're already doing this. You already have a problem with it. Stop it now. And don't pick it up again. So stop being anxious and stop it. Don't, don't reboot it. So, boy, is that a, a very current text for, I would say, all of us here this morning. How often do we worry and worry and we're anxious over something and we just, just, it just really takes a stronghold in our life? It's in interesting that the word worry comes from an old German word which means to strangle or to choke. Think about that. The word worry means to strangle or to choke, and that's exactly what worry does. It's the kind of mental in emotional strangulation and spiritual strangulation, which causes us probably more harm than anything else in our Christian walk. So right now, if you're, if you're dealing with anxiety and worry, it's, it's, it's strangling you. It's strangling you. It's choking out spiritual life. You, you're not going further in your walk with God when you're worried about something that pertains to your life or someone else's life. So a very, very strong text here. Take no thought. Stop it. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious for your life. And especially regarding these temporal things, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, uh, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. And, and the reason is uh, why we should not worry about these things is because God owns everything. He controls everything. And he provides everything. God's the great author of provision. We don't have to be a worry ward over these type of topics. 
Uh, he's the creator God. He, he provides. He sustains. He's going to meet our needs. Uh, I think of John Wesley. There was a time when uh, someone ran to him frantically, screaming, John, John, your house is on fire. Your house is on fire. Your, your house is burning. And John says, uh, no, my house isn't burning. I don't, I don't own a house. That's the Lord's house. That's the Lord's house. And that perspective that Wesley was sharing there is such a good perspective. Uh, what really is yours, really, to worry about? When in reality it belongs to the Lord, including your life as a believer in Christ. That really helps when you think you lost something when it actually belongs to another and that person has the ability to re reproduce it and provide whatever your need is. Boy, that helps give a fresh perspective. It takes a lot of weight off of us. We're not the creators. We're not the sustainers. But God is all that and more. And so stop worrying for your life. And then he gives this uh, comparison from less than to greater uh, in a moment. Is not the life more than this? Uh, more than meat and the body than raiment? So there's going to be a lot of these probing questions where for us, we have put our faith in Jesus Christ to save our souls. Think about that faith. So we have already, as a Christian, we've come to the cross. We've trusted that God has provided for us in his son the means of salvation. He, Jesus, died for our sins. He was our substitute. He dies on the cross. He's buried. He's raised from the grave the third day to give us life, if we call for him to give us life. And we put our faith in the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and we had enough faith for him to save us. But so often Christians putting their faith in Christ for salvation then struggle with their faith to trust God to provide for the basic needs of life. How inconsistent is that? If he has saved you from your worst problem, that being death and hell, then why can't we trust him for just today's basic needs? And so uh, a very probing question. So what the Lord's going to do is give two examples here for us to, to, to look at and to look at very carefully, to behold. Look at verse 26. So stop worrying for your life, and here's how you do it. Behold the examples of God's provision. There's going to be two examples from nature that he gives. And, and you can see these today, these object lessons. And they're there staring at us everywhere to remind us, hey, God loves us. He's going to provide for us. We don't need to worry with these illustrations in mind. Behold, another command, right now. Take this upon you. Look this way. Behold the fowls, the birds of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Um, I, I, love, I love birds. <laughs> we have several bird feeders in our backyard that the squirrels eat. The birds never get to them. <laughs> squirrels are unbelievable. <laughs> do you have any solutions? I'm all ears. Uh, up at our little mountain home, um, we have these chickadees. And uh, often I'll just be sitting out around the property, and they, 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 they fly and kind of, what, what do you call that in the military, where they buzz you? Um, but I, I'll go out there sometimes, and I'll have some peanuts. And I've had a little chickadee land in my, in my, in my hand and just eat the, the peanut right out of the, out of the hand. Uh, I've got a pet chickadee. Uh, I'll walk around the property and it will land on the shoulder or just fly wherever I walk. Uh, I've got a deer I name after my brother, Bruce. 
Um, I don't know why the, what the correlation is, but uh, but Bruce follows me and follows Elisa all over the property. Here's like an eight-point buck that walks around the property like a puppy dog. Okay, but I think I think of those birds in in our mountains here. I love Psalm 50, verse 11, where God says, I know all the birds of the mountain. I know all the birds of the mountain. In our Rocky Mountains, we have 260 species of birds, chickadees, loons, grebes, pelicans, herons, allies, swans, geese, ducks, vultures, hawks, eagles, grouse, rails, coots, cranes, shorebirds, doves, pigeons, cuckoos. An owl kept us up last night. Owls, nighthawks, swifts, Grouse, hummingbirds, kingfishers, woodpeckers, flycatchers, larks, jays, crows, magpies, wrens, dippers, bluebirds, thrushes, thrashers, pippets, waxwings, starlings, warblers, bunting, sparrows, blackbirds, finches, and you get the point. There's a lot of different birds. And as far as I know, as far as I know, every single one of them had a wonderful breakfast this morning. Every single bird. And the same will be true for lunch. They will have a full meal at lunch. And every single one of those birds will have a wonderful meal provided by God tonight. And, and these, they don't even sow, uh, they don't reap, they don't have barns. <laughs> but God takes care of all of them. And it's true, and you know it's true. So behold how God takes care of his creation, something as insignificant as a bird God cares for. And then Jesus, to really drive the point home, he says, yet your heavenly Father, stop there. You are the son or the daughter of God if you're his child. Uh, you are made in his image. You're an image bearer of God. He's reserved for you as a Christian a place in heaven. He shed his blood on a cross for you. He was raised from the dead for you. So, so, so when we are worrying, part of the problem is we're not looking in the right directions to see God's provision everywhere, but we're losing sight that you are God's child. You can call him Abba. You can call him Daddy. You can call him Father. And he is the creator of the universe, and this father of yours, it is no big deal to provide anything for his kids. And, you know, we love our children but God loves his children in a perfect sense at all times. So when we are worrying, we're losing sight of really who our father is. You know, Satan is the author and, and finisher of doubt and confusion. That's not God. God is not the author of doubt. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's our heavenly father. And then there's a statement, are you not much better than they I hope to think we're better than birds as much as we love God's creation with birds. But we're, we're the six-day act of creation. And we are built in, in a design where we are image bearers of God. And he can be our father if we call upon him in faith to save us. Wow. So if you're struggling this morning with anxiety and fears, you've got to remember what family you belong to and who your father is. So important to get this right perspective. Behold, behold. And then he asks a really important question. Which of you, by worrying, which of you, by taking thought, which of you, by being afraid, can add one cubit? A cubit is from here to here. That hand is a span. 
a cubit is here to here, about 18 inches. And it can be used metaphorically to describe a span of time, lifespan, and that would be your context here. So which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? The idea here is, can, by, by worrying, can you add or extend any more life to your span? Is the idea. It's not saying, you, can you add 18 inches to your height? That, that you're not going to be able to do. But the context here, and the words that can be used to describe the question is, can worrying extend your life? Most doctors say that worrying decreases your life. In fact, Dr. Charles Mayo of the famous Mayo Clinic wrote, worry affects the circulation, uh, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. Dr. Mayo says, I've never met a man or known a man to die of overwork, but I've known a lot who died of worry. So is your worrying really helping you? Is it changing anything? If, if it's changing anything, it's, it's doing harm to you, even physically, even physically. So, so he, Jesus is saying, is this worrying really helping you? Is it going to make a difference? Is it going to extend your life? No, of course not is the answer. No. So what's he getting back to? Back to realizing God is your father. And you're very important to him. You're an image bearer. And he's, you're one he died for. And in those wonderful truths is tremendous value. So a probing question. Well, then there's a second example from nature, which, which is really beautiful, really beautiful. Matthew 6.28 reads, And why take ye thought? Why are you worried about what you're going to wear? So how many of you worried about that this morning? What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? Did anyone say that I'm so... What am I, I, I never had daughters, so I'm, I'm not sure how all this works. We had a, a family of friend, a family members this week who have two daughters. I haven't had a chance to debrief of Elisa, but we had a great time with them. They're delightful kids. But not having girls, I'm not used to seeing girls change. How many times did so-and-so change just yesterday morning, honey? I mean, within 30 minutes, she had at least three outfits on. And that's, that's fine. I mean, I'm not a, no, no big deal. But I wonder how many of us worry about, do we have any clothing? Do I have any, what am I going to wear? Of course, the context here is really primitive. You know, I don't have anything to wear. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not protected. My outer body is not protected. So why, why, why do you worry about this for Raymond? Consider, here we go again, consider, here's another command. You don't have an option other to disobey it, but you behold the, the birds and I, how God provided for them. Now consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. So to prove this point, I went out to my garden this morning, and that's one of our lilies. I think we have four variety of lilies. They weren't all open yet. It was early this morning. This one humored me by saying good morning. So I took a picture of it and popped it in the slide. But that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, wow, that's a great design. It's gorgeous. The lily I wanted to show had, had royal purples in it. Just incredibly, just, just explodes. It's a beautiful flower, beautiful flower. So look at it. Consider, consider the beauty uh, of the flora. Just look at the lilies. And in Israel, they're everywhere, the lilies. These type of flowers he's describing... No one's planting them. 
the wind maybe and the birds, but they're beautiful, stunning. Who doesn't like flowers? What, what woman here doesn't like flowers? So how many men, this is a question for me too, when's the last time you gave her flowers if this is, they're so beautiful? So how many of you men have given your wife flowers in the last 30 days? Wow, this is, this is really sad. I mean, I'm not sad that you guys did it. You guys are awesome. So three guys, that's all. Four guys? Five guys. Happy birthday yesterday. Um, all right, five guys. Okay. I can't say I did. Honey, have I given you flowers? I don't think so. Have I? Have I? Okay. I think she's got my back. I don't remember doing that. But aren't they beautiful? Aren't they beautiful? But what happens when you get those, those flowers? And you put them in that beautiful vase face, and they give you that little packet of stuff you pour in it to keep them. They're not alive. They're already dead. They're really dead. They're cut. But they keep them somewhat, you know, there to look at. They extend the, the beauty. Maybe a couple more days, you're pouring all that miracle grow or miracle juice, whatever it is, into it. But even with that, after a few days or at least a week or so, guess what happens? Guess what happens? They die. <laughs> they die. They're dead. And they're not very useful. So that idea of considering the lilies or the flowers he's going to describe here, he says, look, look at how God created them, how beautiful they are. And then the comparison, the point, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory <laughs> was not arrayed like one of these. Wow, that's powerful. Solomon had quite a wardrobe. Can you imagine the richest king in Israel's history? I mean, he, he must have had a magnificent wardrobe. Stunning, the beauty, the colors, the detail. Mm. But nothing compared to God's creation of, of the simplest of flowers, the lilies of the valley. Wow. So here we go. If, if God's going to provide and care for the outer needs of a plant, what will he do for you? So in view of this, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Wow, that's powerful. Again, argument from the lesser to the greater. You're greater than a plant. And if he's doing this for the plant world, what will he do for you, who again is an image bearer? Very, very, very powerful comparison is being given here. So then he's going to ask a question that really gets down to, again, why are we struggling with anxiety and worry? Part of it, we don't have the right view of God as our Heavenly Father. We have a poor view of God. If you're worrying, your view of God is really small. Your view of God is minuscule because he is the creator of the universe and he claims to be your father. And when you say to your Heavenly Father, I'm worried about fill in the blank, you are basically questioning the integrity and the person and the promises of God. You're saying, I doubt your ability to provide. I'm worried you're not going to come through in crunch time for me, your child. It's a really bad message. And hence, here's the question, O ye of little faith. So the root problem when you're worrying, pride is, that, is, is just united to all these sins, but yes, you're proud, you're not listening to God's word, you're, going, you're doing life on your own, and it's not working real well, but the problem is, is your faith is so little. 
that's the problem. You have a trust problem. Your root problem is you have a faith problem. So right now, if you're worried about whoever, whatever, your problem is you. And your problem is you're not trusting God and his word. You have a faith problem. Your faith is so small. So help me then. How do we increase our faith? How do we, how do we leave worry behind? Earlier in the, in the prayers, Lord, today give me my daily bread. Well, that's going to be helpful. So, so how do we overcome fear? By, by prayer. By prayer. By prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. Philippians 4, 6. Stop worrying, he says there. So right view of God. He's our Heavenly Father. He's the creator of the universe. He's, he, the Lord Jesus, is my Savior. The Holy Spirit indwells me. He's been given to me a person who's indwelling me. So I'm going to have a right view of God. And with this right view of God, I'm going to go to God in prayer. I'm going to go to God in prayer. So how do you overcome anxiety? You get on your knees before the Lord. And whatever is on your heart that's strangling you, choking your spiritual life out, burdening you, bearing down on you, you come before the Lord and say, Lord, here am I. Here's Will. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this situation. And I know you don't want me to live with this on my heart, so I'm going to cast this anxiety, this care over to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. And you say, Lord, please take, it, take, take that burden off my heart. Take the anxiety away. And Lord, I'm going to trust your word and your promises that you're going to meet my need. Philippians 4.19 talks about how God has promised to his children to provide all of your needs according to God's, basically, his attributes of power in his person. And it's really wonderful. It's amazing. You can be so burdened right now and so filled with anxiety, but when you come and you, you turn to the Lord and you start dumping onto God, casting your care, throwing him away onto God, you can get off your knees and say, you know what? I feel like a load's lifted. I feel, the, I feel the peace of God in my heart and mind. I feel delivered. I feel, feel like I can, I can breathe and I can live. And of course, it starts coming back pretty quickly, the temptation to worry. So you get back on your knees again and you pray again. You get into the Word and you see the right view of God for the Word. You take the promises of Scripture. I, I like the guy in, in Mark 9, 24. His son had a big problem. Uh, Jesus arrives. And uh, he sees Jesus. He has a son of a major league problem. And he says to Jesus, basically, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling with some doubts. Increase my faith, prayer. We also know that, that faith is increased. Romans says, those who hear the word, by, by the hearing of the word, God increases our faith. Faith comes by hearing. This morning... It's a supernatural thing. God is taking this paragraph and, and he's taking it into our hearts. And all of a sudden, you, the word of God is so real, you're saying, yeah, God is my heavenly father. Why wouldn't he take care of his child? Well, God is almighty. Why can't I trust his power? Wow, God, God's taking care of the birds. He'll certainly take care of me. He's arrayed these beautiful flowers the way he has. I, I, I'm going to have my clothing, and clothing is all that protection for the outer body, including, including your housing. Broaden the concepts, absolutely. But what we struggle with, it's not God's, God's not the problem. It's O ye of little faith. Lord, increase my faith. I'm doubting, increase my faith. Lord, let me take this promise and claim it and believe it and cast these cares upon you. So really the conclusion of the matter. 
real simple. You should not worry. Do we agree with that statement? You should not worry. Therefore, in view of everything he just said, therefore, stop it. Take no thought. Stop worrying. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? This is the summary. Don't do it. Stop worrying. And the motivate you, I'm going to give you two, two motivational points, Jesus says. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And the context of the Gentile reference here is, yes, he's speaking to a Jewish audience, but the Gentiles here is more of the pagan, the unbeliever, the, the heathen, is what he's making the comparison to. So here's the point. This is really powerful what he's saying. He says, you know, the unsaved world, we expect them to be filled with anxiety, to see them worried about their meals, worried about their clothing, worried about their life, because they don't have God as their Savior. They don't have a relationship with the Creator, the Heavenly Father. And so we expect the world to be filled with anxiety, and they are. One of the greatest opportunities for us today as a, as a Christian in witnessing to people, you can anticipate and expect that people are worried. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about pandemics. They're worried about foreign entities. They're worried about a World War III. They're worried, they're worried, they're worried, they're worried. And he, Jesus, is saying, the Gentiles, the unbelieving realm, this is, they're focused on material stuff, and they're filled with anxiety. And in essence, he's, by implication, he's saying, don't you be like them. Be different. And how can we be different? To live without anxiety where your office mate says, you know what, I don't understand how you do life. You seem to have peace. You, you seem to have it together. You seem to be able to work through things that are so difficult. I'm just a nervous wreck over it, but you seem to have a, a peace which I can't explain. How do you have that peace? You know, when Elisa went through her cancer treatments and all, again, just the grace of God, but a lot of people praying for us, a lot of people praying. But you know, even through that, we had, we had perfect peace inexplainable. And to, and to sit in those rooms where you're, they're putting $58,000 of drugs into your body in that infusion per, per chemo treatment, and you sit in that room and you see people who look like POWs, and you see the anxiety and the fear and the worry, and you're sitting here saying, I don't really enjoy this. <laughs> I wish I didn't have this. But you know what? It's okay because God's in control. God's in control. And I know that God loves me. He's my Heavenly Father. And I know that he works all things together for good for them who love God. So I can live with this. Fine. This is, he's given me this trial. From the beginning of that trial, we said, let's be good stewards of this trial. Let's take advantage of the trial God gave us and look for opportunities to share, share God's grace and his peace with others. Just the right way to do it. I'm not saying we did it perfectly. I'm just saying that is the biblical approach. And so what we have here is is what a difference we should be in front of this world. And especially of all the stuff going on right now, people should say, wow, can I talk to you? I'm really worked up. I'm really anxious. And you can say, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about God, how you can have peace with God through Christ, and then the peace of God as you walk with Christ. And then the second motivation, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And I love the verb knoweth here, that the tense that is used drops 
the context back into eternity past. <laughs> so God knew of your needs in the past, even before you were created. It isn't like the Lord's looking from heaven saying, oh, no, <laughs> look what just happened. Man, I better do something now to meet that need. No, it goes way back. When did he not know about your needs? When did he not have in his mind to provide for your needs? So you have an almighty God and an all-knowing God. You have an all-loving God. You got everything working for you. You do not need to worry when you have a God like this for your heavenly father. Hey, we're back to the heavenly father theme. Knows that you have need of all these things. That's powerful. Whatever you're going through, whatever's on your heart, uh, before you even ask him, he knows what your need is. And you say, well, why then do I need to pray? He already knows. He wants fellowship with you. He wants communion with you. He wants you to exercise faith in him. Nothing's too hard for him. But he wants you to come to him, not just in your times of need, but when things are going well. He, he loves this. He created us for that, this kind of pleasure to his heart, to have children that love him. How rewarding is it as, as a parent when you know your son or your daughter loves you? And they want to talk to you and wants to be with you. And that, that's just, that's really precious. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, if you don't have that, you know how hard it is. You know, there's no great, you know, John, John says there's no greater truth than this, than the, the, to see my children walking in truth. There's no greater joy that I have than this. So if that's the greatest joy to see your kids walking in truth, what would be the hardest heartbreak? You get it. So your Heavenly Father knows all your needs. So, so why are you worrying? Just ask him about it and talk to him about it. Pray about it. Commune with him. Verse 33. So when we talk about overcoming anxiety, right view of God, Heavenly Father, I'm going to pray for more faith. I'm going to cast my cares upon the Lord. I'm going to be in the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And part of my problem when I'm worrying, guess what? My focus is on me. Your focus is inward. It's wrong focus. You're, you're going in the wrong direction. So here we have another imperative. He says here in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So here's the kingdom where he is the king. Uh, you enter into that kingdom through faith in Christ. There's a coming aspect to that kingdom. There's a physical aspect. There's a current spiritual aspect to that kingdom. And it's, it's governed by his holiness. So seek God, his big plan, and live for the Lord. Wow, powerful. Seek first God and his kingdom and its righteousness. Get your priorities right. Get your, get your focus on the Lord and looking to meet other people's needs. And be governed by the word of God and the spirit of God. Wow, get the right focus. An upward and outward focus. Wow, that does a lot. It's biblical, it's godly, it's right. And guess what happens when you have your priorities? You know, the, the way it works is usually we're seeking those things like the food and the drink and the clothing and all the things about our life. We make that our priority. God says, don't make that your priority. Put me as your priority. My plans as your priority. And God says, all these things should be added unto you. So it doesn't make any sense. I know it's, 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 it sounds paradoxical. You're saying, I have current needs right now. You don't know my needs. I got this payment to make. I got this health problem here. I got this issue. I'm all worked up over these things. And you're saying to not focus on that? Are you kidding? I don't know how I'm going to make it for the week. And God says, no. Right focus. Seek 
God first. Get your priorities right. Put, put him first. And trust him at this text as you put him, his kingdom, and his righteousness first that everything you have need of, he's going to bring in. And it is fun to see it come in. Whatever you need, whatever you need. He's able to meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's a powerful text. So seek his kingdom and its righteousness first. So here's, here's the problem. We say, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. This was, this was, I need to hear this today. So I, 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 I will, even at an invitation, I'll come and I'll pray, I'll cast my cares, and woo we got it all settled today. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. So we got it all worked out for today, but guess what we start doing? What about tomorrow? Okay, I've prayed for daily bread, I've cast my cares upon the Lord, and yeah, I feel a lot better about things. What about tomorrow, though? I would say probably the biggest anxiety that many of you have is about tomorrow. It'll look like this. You'll say, I'm really worried about the future for my kids. Or I'm really worried about the future, what, what, what's, what's down the line for my grandkids. You know, I'm you know, 100 years old, whatever I am, I've had a good life, full life, but I'm really anxious over what, what the future holds for, for America and for my kids and great-grandkids. So how many have said that? Don't raise your hand. Be probably the same number who, who said they got flowers for their wife. <laughs> You're lying, lying. Who hasn't said that in the Young and Heart group, really? And that's understandable. We're seeing some bad stuff, bad trending, a spiral in the wrong direction. We see it. But look at the text. It says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Now the context is this anxious thought. There's definitely a place where you plan and ponder the path, Proverbs 4. There's definitely strategic planning, if the Lord wills. So he's not removing planning, but he is removing anxiety about your plans. So let therefore no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So what is he saying? In essence, he's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. You got enough problems today. Take one day at a time, you might hear. But today, you have evil, you have different things weighing on your heart. Today, resolve things, and don't worry about tomorrow. A lot of people are worried about tomorrow. What if? What about? What then? So you, you do not want to be known in your family as, as, as the king or the queen of worry. That is not the mantle, the title you want to have. Is oh, grandma or granddad, the, all they do is what? All they do is worry. Whatever the topic is, there's always worry, 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 fear, 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 fear. That's not how you want to go down in, in the family history. You, you want to be the one that says, you know what, things are bad. I get it, son or granddaughter. But we know God. He's our Father. And regardless of how bad it gets in this world, He's going to take care of us. He always has, He is, and He always will. His nature will never change, His care will never change. So, son, look to your Heavenly Father. He'll take care of you. When mom and dad are gone, and granddad and grandma are gone, just keep looking to your Heavenly Father. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. And son, stay in the Word. 
because faith comes by hearing. The son asked for prayer, Lord, increase my faith, and trust him. Increase your faith. Your problem is your faith. Oh, ye of little faith, trust the Lord. So this morning, as we close out our service, what has been on your heart that is strangling, choking out spiritual life and forward movement? What is it today? Is it a health issue related to your life, your body? Is it you have no idea how your needs are going to be met? Are you worried about your kids or your grandkids? You worried about your job? You worried about your 401A or B or C or whatever? You worried about your job? What is it? What is it that you need to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I feel like this is choking my life out. I can't keep living like this. God does not want us to live by fear. He wants us to live by faith. What is it that you need to get with the Lord here in a moment at an invitation? They say, Lord, I cast this care upon you. I cannot bear it anymore. It's about my son. It's about my daughter. Lord, I can't carry this burden. I'll keep praying for them, but the anxiety is just too much. I can't live with all this. Would you in a moment come to the Lord and cast that over to him? And then we ask the Lord to give you grace to seek first not those things that you're worried about, but to seek first God, to seek first his kingdom and its righteousness and leave all that stuff for God to take care of? Stop controlling things. Stop trying to manipulate things. You are not God, but trust him who is. Let's bow for prayer here this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This has been a message for believers, but it could be this morning you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Well, if there's anyone filled with fear, it is you. And probably the thing, if you if you face the reality, the truth, the thing you probably fear the most is death. The book of Hebrews tells us in the Bible that for the unbeliever, even Christians struggle at times with this, but the thing that we have is the spirit of fear about the fear of dying, the fear of what happens after death. For the Christian, when we call on the Lord who is the life, who saves us, he removes from our heart, sometimes instantaneously, sometimes over a process, but removes the fear of dying, removes the fear of death. Wow. Would you this morning trust Christ as your Savior? Would you put your faith in him? He'll take away all the fears. You can have peace with God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he hath peace with God, Romans says. Five. Would you trust Christ today? For our church family and friends visiting who know the Lord, who would just say uh, with an uplifted hand, saying, I came in this morning and I'm, I've been carrying some pretty big burdens, some pretty big fears, some pretty heavy anxiety on my heart. And this message from the word of God hit right there. Pray for me. Can I see your hand this morning? You came in this morning a lot. Thank you. A lot of hands. Thank you for being honest. In a moment, we're going to have the piano play just quietly, the invitational song. Would you just take a few moments to come and, and spend some time casting those cares, those fears, those anxieties upon the Lord? Is there anyone else here this morning you would say, I am just so distraught. I am just so overwhelmed. I, I almost feel like, what's the use of living any longer? I have, I'm at this point. Is there anyone I could pray for? I will not embarrass you, but you just feel like I am at the breaking point. Is there someone I could pray for? Yes, ma'am. Someone else this morning. You're just at the breaking point. Would you come this morning? Would you spend some moments in prayer? We have a pastoral staff and our wives are here to help too. That's what a church is for, to bear one another's burdens. Would you stand to your feet?
and heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and Stacy, if you just play. Would you come this morning? Would you come and take some time praying? Would you consider the fowl of the air that the Lord provides for? Or will you consider? Would you consider the lilies of the valleys, how they are arrayed and clothed? Would you come to the Lord as an image bearer of God and cast your cares upon the Lord? Would you come for a few moments and cast those cares and talk to the Lord? Lay aside those weights that are so easily besetting you. Would you come this morning? Father, we thank you for this time that we've had around your word. There's so many things in life that create the, the temptation to be anxious over it. Lord, help us be people who are people of faith that trust you. May our testimonies be so different than a world that is filled with anxiety. May we be a testimony of, of what it's like to, to have peace with you and the peace of God. Lord, you know the burdens all of our church family and friends bear and only you can take those and lift those burdens off hearts only you can provide and so we want to trust you lord do great things for your name's sake for your glory thank you for this morning we pray in jesus name amen you are dismissed